Welcome to the 121st episode of The Week with Roger, a conversation between analysts about all things telecom, media, and technology from Recon Analytics. I'm Don Kellogg, and with me as always is Roger Entner. How are you doing, Roger? I'm okay. How are you? I'm pretty good. So, Roger, it's a new year, and we just heard from uh, all three MNOs, Verizon, T-Mobile, and AT&T, talk at the City Conference last week. I thought we could talk a little bit about what they had to say. And I think this is interesting timing because it's right before Q4 four earnings come out. Uh, three weeks. Yep. yep. And so it was interesting what people said and what they didn't say, right? Right. Verizon was out first with not only Hans Westberg, who is not only CEO of Verizon overall, but now has hands-on responsibility for Verizon, the consumer group. And he brought with him uh, Kyle Malady, who runs the network, president of global network and technology. Really, really deep and good network uh, guy. It was very interesting because I always felt like he was like several times asked by Mike Rowland, so how about subscriber ads? And so finally he like said like, yeah, we're going to, we're going to be positive with subscriber ads. But wasn't that convincing, right? What was interesting was that he said, like, we have a four to five million customer goal for FWA, and we will not exceed this goal in the next four to five years because we would have to change the network and things like that. I'm sure the cable companies were very, very happy to hear that, right? So I would expect them to to hit like maybe a million in fourth quarter overall, total subscriber numbers. But then the the other thing was very interesting was that that Verizon is going back to a more local approach of how to handle sales, marketing, distribution. In Verizon's heydays, they had an awesome, awesome local area, like four areas, 24 or 25 region, regions. Well, the region, the regions have changed over time, but it was always and four areas. Changed, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But these guys were like in power of of uh, how to do sales and marketing and distribution. Very powerful organization who performed extremely well. And then uh, Lowell listened to McKinsey and they collapsed it all and made it a nationwide operation. I don't think it helped, right? Yeah, so I mean, I would say I would say a lot of a lot of the kind of decision-making power was was centralized at headquarters as opposed to you know, the rationale for the areas is always that, you know, every area has its own kind of unique situation, mix, et cetera, and that there are different kind of promotional levers that you should be pulling in different, in different regions. And, but it costs a lot more money, right? Because you basically have four marketing organizations as opposed to one marketing organization or, or really you had in, in effect you had four plus one, right? Because you had headquarters plus, plus all the areas. And so a lot. Is, is it more? Yes, but you get also a lot more out. Right. 
Right. And now they're going back to that. And Hans talked about that, you know, one of the, the first effects was like that he pulled back some some sales promotional spend and put it into advertising. And so they did more advertising. So now they're also putting the, the whole marketing sales promo budgets together to give them more flexibility. And so I thought that was very, uh, very, very interesting. And then they're, they're very high on their, their C-band network. They'll have 200 million by the end of Q1. They will have a network-wide coverage by the end of this year. Already, 15 to 20% of that data usage is on, is on the C-band, and it covers only half of the market. And that data usage, well, no kidding, is higher on C-band because the speeds are so much faster, right? More use, higher speeds means more usage. And, and it was interesting. They talked about that three of their big builds are coming to a conclusion this year. Their, their fiber build, a lot of it is like their, their fiber one build, which is like outside their footprint, is about 80% done. Their millimeter wave build with 40,000 millimeter wave nodes, nobody realized they actually keep building, right? But last time we checked, it was like around 25,000 about two years ago. So they're at 40,000 now, and they said done. And they had a massive core network expansion as well. And so with that, they're going to lower CapEx to 17.5 uh, billion or so, coming down from around 23, you know, this year. And... Hans said, like, this is the lowest CapEx intensity of all the MNOs globally. Not sure, right? And and I think, you know, when, when you listen to Peter Osvaldic, he said, like, interesting other things. But, yeah, so it was very, very interesting. The other thing that I thought was, like, absolutely fascinating is that Hans said that Kyle was also helping with marketing and with stores and 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 promotions and incentives. Well, to some extent, I think that makes sense, right? I mean, I, when we when you hear Osvaldic talk, one of the things that he talks a lot about, and Mike Sievert mentions this too, is that perception of network with Verizon as the network leader has has diminished over time in, in T-Mobile's favor. So to the extent that, you know, a lot of Verizon's marketing historically has been about network superiority. And I think you would agree with me in, in the assessment that that was a successful way to talk about their business. You know, maybe it does mean getting the network guys more involved in how they talk about things, right? Because I do think that they've moved away from talking about network, which was always a huge strength for Verizon. And the network organization at Verizon is phenomenal, right? Yeah, it's terrific. It's, it's just terrific. And, and so, but with the network positioning, T-Mobile was really, really smart and redefined best network as fastest. And is it really when, you know, I think Verizon still has probably a, a coverage advantage and a reliability advantage, but they didn't fight even when, when, when T-Mobile took that away and suffered for it, right? Boom. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And I think, you know, saying kind of to transition a little bit over to T-Mobile, I mean, what was said and what was unsaid, I think is an interesting way to think about kind of what T-Mobile said today, because they pre-released a lot of their Q4 numbers prior to their talk, right? And so 
They're saying that they have uh, 1.4 million total nets, 927,000 postpaid phone net ads, uh, which is a pretty high number. It's likely to give them the highest postpaid phone net total for the quarter. Although we don't we don't know yet what Verizon and, and AT and T come will come in at, but I think that that's it's a reasonable bet to assume that'll probably be the highest. Five hundred twenty four thousand fixed wireless net ads, lowest post phone uh, churn in company history. So, you know, way way back when, back when before T Mobile started building out five G and everything else, they've historically always had issue with churn, and and you know we know that the the merger with Sprint has kind of caused some elevated churn among the Sprint base. So to hear them not say, you know, the past prior quarters, they've said, oh, well, we would have had record churn if it weren't for Sprint. Notably, they didn't say that this time, right? They yeah, said they spread it out, basically, right? Right. right. So, you know, it, they, they talked a lot about the integration with Sprint, and it sounds like, you know, they're fully done with decommissioning all their sites. And now the only thing they really have left is is kind of billing migrations on the back end, which they're trying to make as seamless as possible. Yeah. And I always looked at, like, historically, and I'm following T-Mobile since its formation, historically, it was like a big leaky bucket. They brought in a ton of customers. They... they, they their gross ads were always above their market share, but then they lost them, right? And, and first with with John Ledger and now especially with Mike Siebert after the close, they have they have plucked all the holes in 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 the in the bucket. And so the, the net ads naturally go up. Well to to put a point on it I, I you know come back to the network piece the network makes a big difference i know way back when i worked on a network testing product you know probably 10 to 12 yeah. years ago and i also had t-mobile service at the time and you know it's kind of a situation where if you can't see the city lights that's when your network goes away and it's not the case now in the sense that you know their network with the 600 megahertz expansion with, with c-band everything else 700 uh, 700 right. exactly they've they've made leaps and bounds right and so and we see that in the churn number. The other thing that is interesting is they talked about Magenta Max. So you know everybody's kind of got their own premium plan out there. Magenta's T-Mobile's flavor of it. They're saying about twenty percent of the folks that come in as gross ads get Magenta Max, and or sixty percent of gross ads get Magenta Max, and twenty percent of their base now has that premium plan. So you know, kind of the days of going after the budget customers that don't stick around very long. I think you know have, have changed to some extent uh, for T-Mobile as well. Yeah, having sixty percent of your gross ads picking your highest plan—it's a big deal. You, you know, John Fryer's people are doing impressive work. Yep, yep. So I think you know, kind of more the same in terms of superlatives with T-Mobile, but notable that they were willing to come out and get out in front of all this and. And, and pre-release so much information. Well, it, yeah, well, at, at the same day in the morning, you know, they were downgraded by, by another investment bank. So they were like, okay, we're going to dunk you, right? Right, right. And, and then they had their high-fiving all around. And you also listened to uh, Pascal, right? Yeah, so I listened to Pascal. I mean, I think... It's kind of more the steady state. They didn't pre-release any information. 
but it sounds like kind of AT&T's plans continue to deliver uh, as they have in the last three or four quarters, right? So they're still very, very bullish on fiber. They're moving ahead with C-band, right? So one of the things that they said with, with fiber was that fiber penetration within the first year is twice that of what they've seen relative to prior builds. And as you know, and I'm sure listeners of the podcast know, they also signed a joint venture with BlackRock around building fiber outside of their footprint. And so, you know, it's kind of a situation where fiber has been so successful that they want to kind of grow beyond kind of the the limitations of their existing footprint and, and do that with some some private equity investment and, and debt as well. Yeah. So the other thing I thought was interesting is, you know, talking about Q4, they talked about not having to be kind of the the best uh, have the most aggressive promotions and that they're they're comfortable with that I, you know I, I know we've been very complimentary of the kind of steady state everybody gets the same deals type type promotional position at AT&T and they reiterated that you know they're not they're not interested in being a share donor but they're also not interested in going out and having a fire sale every time black friday comes around from a distribution and sales perspective, actually, Pascal talked quite a bit about driving accountability down to the VPGM level. And so similar to Verizon's kind of move to go more regional, one of the things that AT&T has done over the last year or so is, is give more accountability and levers for local local market. VPGMs are you know, 20 or so odd VPGMs across the com- country. But it's regional territories that have that same kind of level of sales accountability. So I think some recurring themes in terms of going from kind of macro management of, of the sales force and, and promotional intensity and things like that, going down to uh, a more granular level that that's helped uh, AT and T deliver success. Yeah, no, it's an interesting quarter, right? Well, we'll see what happens in the fourth. You know, maybe everybody will be a winner, some bigger, some smaller. <laughs> Right. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things that was interesting that that Peter Osvaldic and Pascal both hit on is that they both think that kind of some of the sugar high in terms of net ads that we saw in 21 and to a lesser extent on in 2022 will continue to kind of dissipate in 23. So from a macro level from the industry, two out of three CFOs in, of, of the, the MNOs see a kind of a more muted environment in terms of total total net ads. So it'll be interesting to watch that as, as we go into Q1 as well. Well, and, and what we saw with our, you know, we did our kids and wireless module again in our, in our survey, where we interview 5,000 mobile and 5,000 uh, home internet customers every single week, right? We did, we did the mobile, we did the children and wireless again, because we did it at back to school, right? And I think that the, 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 the teaser that I always say is like, you know, six-year-olds. And originally, when we did it the first time around in uh, March, it was about 15, 16%. Wireless so penetration, yeah. Wireless, wireless adoption, right, of, for, for six-year-olds. And we did it at back to school and, you know, we asked who had it at the beginning of the year and we got the 15, 16%. We asked who had it back to school and it was a third. And then we asked who will give their kid a phone by by the end of the year. And that was about 12%, 12, 15%. So that always would hit like around 50% 
adoption of wireless among six-year-olds. And that's basically how our survey came in. So a lot of that sugar high that you talked about came courtesy of parents giving their kids phones. Yep. Yeah, so yeah, there's been a lot of speculation in terms of where the growth of dead ads is coming from. Uh, we've always maintained, and the data backs it up, that it's really kind of an expansion of you know, folks who are on, on the younger end of the age spectrum are getting devices earlier, and then folks that may have been a little more isolated during the pandemic that hadn't opted to get wireless phones decided on the, on the older, other end of the age spectrum. So really, you know, much, much older subscribers also got phones as well. So it's, it's always good to see the numbers play out, right? Yeah, it's, it's you know, it's, it's very reassuring when uh, what, what your survey predicts, your survey, you know, the survey you do with completely different people three months later comes through with the number that you were honestly really, really hoping for. And it happened. But yeah, business is also was also a, a really big expansion. And that, that's basically the secret here that happens. And now when we look forward to 23, there's a lot of econo- economic uncertainty. And it will be interesting how it plays out, right? But I think that's probably a topic for another podcast, right? Yep, absolutely. All right, Roger. Well, we'll talk to you next week. <laughs>